as we've said before, like going to shops and getting food that comes locally if you can't do the allotment thing. And recycling, that is something that everybody should do and they should buy, like, food with less packaging because then they won't have to do as much recycling because they'll have less waste and just less overall. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you. Hear their struggles. And then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. We've already had quite a journey with Casper, first making it sound like it was going to be really easy, then sounding like it was going to, there's going to be some hurdles, then hearing how he had that touching interaction with his son. Well, you're about to hear one of the most touching and I think inspirational, but also calling for hope and action episodes of this podcast, because it's going to be Casper with his wife, Nicola, and with his son, Columbus, and talking about their experiences as a family, doing this together. And I think you'll be amazed at Columbus's awareness and his actions, his patience with his parents. Anyway, I don't think this needs any more of an introduction. I think we should just get right into it, into the Craven family. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Casper, Nicola, and Columbus Casper. Did I get it right? Oh, sorry, uh, Craven. Did I get it right? <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100% right. You got it. So when last we spoke, you weren't sure if you're going to be able to get the others in. And usually when I talk to someone, there's always a challenge. This is one of the biggest challenges people have with acting on their environmental values. Will the other people in their lives, especially people that they live with, is it going to be easy? Is it going to be hard? And what I always find is that once people commit, then they get other people involved with it. Was that the case with you guys? How did things work out? Casper agreed for the others. How did things happen? <laughs> so here's how it worked, right? So when we spoke before, I'd listened to the other people and their commitments on the podcast. And I was like, right, I want to make a big commitment and like, you know, be, you know, do a really big thing. And I made a commitment on behalf of all of us, which is always a dangerous thing to do, right? So um, I came back and I initially shared that with, with Nicola. And then we ran through when we were going to record the, the second podcast. And I realized I hadn't done very much. And so I sat down with Nicola around that time and said, look, you know, what should we do? And Nicola kind of like did the obvious thing and pointed me back towards, we've actually got someone in the family, Columbus, who's kind of engaged with the environment already. And a lot of the time it's, you know, it's realising the, the strength you've got all around you rather than saying, I'm going to try and do all these things myself. So, um, so the key to, I think, us it's doing Columbus. more around our stuff in our family is the young man next to me. So. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so what are, what are some things that happened? What are some uh, interactions that came out of it? So I think one of the, uh, the biggest interactions has been around uh, the recycling. So 
you know, this is going to sound really obvious, but I didn't realise that all the different bits of packaging have the little symbols on there saying whether you can recycle or whether you can't recycle. So when I've been putting things in either the, the, the landfill rubbish or in the recycling rubbish, someone has been going through after me and saying, Dad, you've put the wrong stuff in here. You need to wash this out and um, then put it in the right bin. So it's just simple things like that. And I guess, you know, the thing now, it's just become more of a, of a conversation. And um, I can't, I'm kind of happy to be proven wrong and have, have the way shown forward for me around that. So I guess that's probably one of the more obvious conversations around the mm. recycling. So I'm curious to hear that from Columbus's perspective. Did he portray it accurately or what was it like from your side? Well, I, I just open up the bins, put something in, and then I'd see something like cardboard or well, something that I know is recyclable there, just in the general waste. So I'd go find uh, my dad and then I'd point out that it was recyclable and then we, uh, I'd wash it out and put it in the recycling. And enjoy giving me a hard time at the same time. Did you enjoy giving you a hard time? I bet you more enjoyed the change when he started. It was like, when he started, did he start listening or did he start changing? How did it feel? Well, I, I ended up finding um, things a couple more times that are recyclable, but I've but he's now begun like looking for the symbols, then making sure. So it's a lot better now. I'm curious. The that's the play by play, like physically, what happened? What about the emotional? Interaction. How did it feel to do it one way versus the other way versus the connection and so forth? Well, nothing uh, emotionally really changed. It's just I think that like environment is really important because, well, it's important for our well-being and our living. So I'm just making sure that everyone else is looking out for that. And how about Casper or Nicola? How was the emotional content of the interaction of the change? So I was thinking, so I had some plastic I put in the recycling, no, in the bin. And then Columbus and I, Columbus said, no, that you can recycle it. And I said, no, you can't, it's plastic. And then he pointed out the symbol on it and he said, see, and then I realised I was wrong. So I thought, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so you feel a bit stupid, actually. <laughs> um, but, but then you have to sort of get on board. You know, you've just got to do that. And the other thing, I would say a lot of the interactions I've... So I remember another time we were sitting in the car. I had the engine running. It was cold. And Columbus said, we shouldn't have the engine running because of the environment. And I said, I'm cold. And then he said, that's what Mr. Russ, that was his teacher at the time, said all parents will say. And then I turned it off because <laughs> I felt embarrassed. <laughs> so I, at being so predictable? Yeah. So I think there's been that sort of thing. So, you know, but it worked because I thought... Oh, that's really, I'm just being predictable, aren't I? So, so then I did it. And actually, since then, I haven't repeated it. And, and also, I think with our shopping, if we shop together, you look for, well, I look, you look for UK symbols. Yeah. I look for the price and he looks where it's come from, for its carbon footprint. Like, so, say oh, the distance like, it came from. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, say it's saying like a mango, it might come from like Peru. And it's got a lot of food miles, meaning more carbon footprint. Yeah. So, but I think Columbus is very comfortable in sharing with us where we're doing something harmful. And I think we actually are happy for him to correct us. 
So, yeah, I mean, I think you know, the emotional thing, I mean, one of the things for me is, you know, it's all about the curiosity. And, you know, of course, when someone sort of says, you've done this wrong, then, you know, we all get an initial rush. Well, hang on a second, I don't like being wrong. But actually, it's interesting to learn some of this stuff and you realise what um, what they're learning at school is, you know, is helpful. Mm. And, you know, a lot of the right messages are going in there. So I, f- I guess, yeah, curiosity and also, you know, a little bit of pride as well that, um, you know, there's there's some cool stuff that, that's coming through. And um, you know, it's kind of like hopeful for the future, I guess. So now. There's something, since it's fresh on your mind, I've been thinking a lot about this, of why people are hesitant to start. And tell me if this rings true with, with the two adults here, that I think that when someone does something that maybe you get a plastic bottle or a plastic bag that you don't need to get, hmm. I think that you think to yourself, and not every case, but you often think, I shouldn't get this. Well, this time it's okay. Or this time I need it or something like that. And that means that when someone says, And I think this is something like the predominant message is you shouldn't do that. You're hurting the environment. What that actually does is get you to think, well, why was it okay that time? And it brings up in you the justification to keep doing what you were doing. And it took me a long time to reach on this podcast to where I start not by saying this is what you should do. I try. I I hope I succeed at this. But to start by saying, what do you care about? And then would you care to act on this thing that you care about? Because I think the predominant message is actually, however well-intentioned, is actually motivating people to keep justifying what they've been doing. Yeah, changing the focus to a positive one rather than the more negative, sort of being the, sort of being told off or the things you should avoid. I mm-hmm. guess it's focusing on what you're doing it for. I guess the, the thing that comes to my mind there is all about what I would call micro-commitments, that the more of those little micro-commitments you make. So, you know, whenever I'm in a shop and someone says, oh, would you like um, a bag or would you like a holder for that? Then my my natural reaction, I don't know how long, I'm not sure how long I've been saying this for, is to say, no, let's save the environment today. And uh, that may be a relatively recently thing that I've been saying that. But each time I'm saying that, I'm kind of reinforcing the language in my own mind, and of course, by vocalising it, putting it out there. So it's making it more likely that I will do more things around that because it becomes part of the conversation. Mm. And also, you know, why I'm so keen that, you know, we're all involved in this conversation. It's part of the dialogue rather than, you know, just getting on with everything else we've got in our busy lives. So now, I see what appears to be happiness and, and joy at this interaction. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder, is it possible, would you have predicted this before this, would you have predicted the happiness and joy, or is it possible it could have gone into like strife and disagreement? And if you did anticipate that you'd enjoy it, why not do it earlier? Mm. Good question. And I'm asking this really for the listeners, because a lot of people listening are probably like, oh, I want to do something, but I haven't really, but you know, they're thinking why not to start. Yes. And so I want to give them, I want to give them the, the benefit of your experience. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Nicholas? I think a lot of the time it's tempting to say, well, I'll start tomorrow or I've got, you think in your head, you've got a lot that you've got to get ready to start. But actually you don't, you just, you know, it's a very simple step. And actually what, somehow it's about being slow to start because you think you've got to have things perfect or you've got to think about it and make it really complicated. But actually I think what's been good with Columbus, actually, I think, kids probably see things in a much more simplistic 
way and it's just well we just do this or we'll just do that so you just get started so it's not perfect yeah no i think uh, you know we chatted about this before it's yeah you create that hurdle i've got to do all these different things and you know succeed fail whereas it's just yeah starting small creating the conversation around it and um yeah because the other thing we've got conversation we've got right now is around uh, an allotment so we have a small gardening patch um, about a um, quarter of a mile away, which um, which is Columbus's. Yeah. So it's, you know, going and growing our own vegetables there and, um, you know, going and doing that. So it's all, all driven by Columbus. So it's... Um... Yeah. The reason that I got the... that I wanted to get the allotment in the first place is because, like, bigger food miles, so more food has to travel, like, more carbon emissions... So if you grow food locally, then you're going to have a lot less carbon emissions. And, I well, I pick up quite a few of this stuff, like a bit of this stuff just, like, from looking around me, common sense or, like, the social, me- or social media. I like how I said common sense. And you're like, <laughs> uh, I guess so, yes. <laughs> have you eaten the food for, that you've grown yet? Have you eaten the, Is this your first year or have you done it in previous years? Well, last year we begun. Mm. We need to get working over on there again. Mm. We've gotten some things from there. Yeah. And we have made some, a few things of that. We had rhubarb last year, didn't we? Yeah. And strawberries and... And also just the really, really practical thing as well. So uh, what um, Columbus has done... Well, do you want to talk about about your herbs downstairs and what you've been growing those in? Well, I've been taking plant cutting. So that's when you, like, cut off a bit of the plant and you put it in water and it grows back roots and then you can put that back in soil... But instead, I've just kept it in the water, so it's now a plant cutting that's been growing hydroponically. And what have we got? We've got uh, you've got herbs there. We've got I've, basil. I've, and I've mint. just I've just got uh, basil and mint. That's it. Basil and mint. Mm. I think of one reason I ask is that I'm growing a few things on my windowsill. And I, I'm looking at the rooftop of my building, and I, you know I have a call board. It's not so easy to get these things approved, but I want to have I want to have a feast for my building of stuff that was grown on our rooftop. So that's going to be a bit away, but you talking about what you guys are doing motivates me to do it more. Another big thing that I find, even with just the little things that I grow on my windowsill, things taste so much better when you grow them yourself. It's amazing to just pick something and just eat it. So even though I started for environmental reasons, this is something that I, it kills me. The predominant message is saying you have to separate these things. It's a chore. It distracts you from life. You really want to do other things. So when someone says, here's this little thing you can do, it implies you don't want to do it. And what keeps me going is the fulfillment, the, like the deliciousness of, of fresh fruits and vegetables as opposed to shipped all around the world. Like, yes, mangoes do taste good, but the Brussels sprouts that I get from the market right here that were grown far, not far away, mm. it's just so much more fulfilling. The taste, if one, they taste, I really like the taste of the stuff that I get, but that's one component of it. Also knowing the farmer, as I've gotten to know the farmers at the farmer's market and through the CSA when I get stuff delivered, there's so much more to it. And I, I'm not a parent, but I have to think to hear a son talking about growing vegetables and I mean, they could be talking about like, I don't know what kids do, but I, I can't think of much more that I want to hear a kid doing than like growing vegetables and, and learning more and teaching me how to do those things. 
What I love about that, it's just so simple as well, right? I mean, it looks simple to me. It's probably not, and I'll be told, I'll, I'll be corrected in a moment. But, you know, it's like a cut-off half of a plastic bottle mm. and just getting the cutting in there with some water. And, you know, anyone can do that on their windowsill, right? It's not complicated. Mm. And suddenly you've got go. fresh herbs that are growing there. And when I go to the, the supermarket, the grocery store, you can see you can go and buy your, your, your basil or your mint or whatever else. And that's shipped in from where and it's got the packaging around it. Whereas actually it's really simple. You can just do that at home, right? So yeah. I wouldn't have realised that unless Columbus was no. doing that, by the way. So. Yeah, and you guys also mentioned something that I found supremely important is that for putting stuff on my windowsill, I took like 15 years to get started. Right. And what you just start, I mean, with whether it's with the recycling, whether it's with the planting, you just do it. And then, yeah, the first ones don't work out so well. But all that planning, all it did was delay. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I think, uh, you know, we've had, um, you know, different experiences with, with the allotments and, um, you know, some things have been more successful than mm. other things. And it's like everything, you know, you do stuff and you get feedback and then you move on to the next stage, so. Another thing about plants is, like, another thing that the reason that they're good for the environment is photosynthesis. So they will take in carbon dioxide and water, and carbon dioxide is one of the main gases in uh, global warming. And then they will release stuff like oxygen, which is useful for us. So more plants means, like, more oxygen and less carbon dioxide. And there's, like, there's like businesses, what they'll do is, like, when they open a factory, they'll, like, compensate for that by, like, buying land. But it's not like they're going to be putting lots of effort planting and growing stuff, making sure that you could get, like, lots of carbon dioxide taken away. So they're they're purchasing the land, but it doesn't mean that anything's changing. They could like grow produce on it, and then they're growing more produce using more of the land, and then it's still being used for photosynthesis. This is to me science and the love of nature made practical, made uh, made delicious. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> It's funny, I was at um, an event um, this week, uh, the festival of um, Europe, the lo- Europe's largest festival of AI, artificial intelligence, um, here in uh, London. And I listened to a talk by uh, uh, Martha Lane Fox, who founded um, lastminute.com back in the 90s. And you know, she gave a very powerful talk about that there is no bigger, greater issue than climate change at the moment. And therefore, we need to be thinking about the environmental impact of every single thing that we do. So, you know, I don't know if this is the same with every single child at school, but, uh, you know, to hear these messages coming through at, at grassroots level, if you excuse the pun, is, uh, you know, it's, it's encouraging and it's powerful. So, Yeah, you said it's, we have to think about all these things. And I want to go to the next step because we've been thinking about it for a long time. We have to act on all of these things. And it's a joy. It's so much, I mean, what you guys have is not anomalous. It's like, it creates relationships, it creates community, it creates delicious fruits and vegetables. And it's presented as this thing that's like this chore, this hard thing. And part of a big part of this podcast is to have people go through, and I really appreciate Casper that you did episode 1.5 to share, oh, it's not just like easy for everyone that sometimes, you know, you you have this great intent. And I have to say at the, at the end of episode one, you're like, this is going to be so easy. This is going to be a walk in the park. I'm going to tell you how easy this stuff was. And then 
you came on the second time. You're like, yeah, it wasn't so easy. And I, I really think that that's one of the most valuable things that people can hear. And that's why I say leadership in the environment. Leaders, I think, people who share that, both leaders share that and people who share things like that become leaders because when you share the challenges and people can see, oh, that's someone I can follow. That's someone I can model off of. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, what, what I love about this this whole this whole conversation is that, you know, by doing this, it's created a bigger conversation around this than we than we had before. And it's finding the energy centers and where the strengths are, which, um, you know, we're going to build it. So I think you're off to the allotment again this weekend, aren't tomorrow. you? You're off there tomorrow. You're going to do some yes. more gardening there, right? Yes. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's life. It's real. Yeah. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. So you guys spent, how long were you, did you go around the world on the boat? Uh, two years, on the boat for two years. Mm-hmm. So two years on the boat, I think a lot of people would say, oh, they must have been doing this already. I feel like going, oh, I had this great experience. I was trying to get to, I was trying to go a crew on someone's boat and from uh, South Florida to Mexico. It didn't happen. But I noticed this big difference. When I told people who didn't sail about this, they would ask questions like, oh, where are you going to leave from? Where are you going to go to? How long is it going to take? What, you know? People who sailed, and this is going to sound painfully obvious to you guys, but they were saying, you know, is it hurricane season? What are the what are the currents at that time? What's the wind at that time? And the first one was just like, that's what happens when you go to an airport. You know, we, you know, you use the fossil fuels, you plow through whatever it takes. If there's snow, you get rid of it. And the second way is living in nature and responding to nature. And it's like, if it takes longer because the breeze is going the opposite direction, well, then it takes longer because that's the way it is. And first, how does that sound? And second, does that inform where you guys are in your environmental behavior today? And if I think people naively might have thought, well, they must have already been doing what you guys are doing. Sorry, a bunch of questions. So I guess the, the, the first thing, how did, how did the, uh, what we do inform where we are now? I mean, I guess, you know, the thing is, when you're on a boat and you are sailing by wind power, then literally you take what the environment gives you. And if there's no wind, then you're not going very fast. If there's loads of wind, then you're absolutely screaming along. So, you know, it really is the, the ultimate connection to, to nature and, uh, in a, and what's happening around you. And I guess, you know, the, you know where we are with, with the environment. I mean, the environment is all around us and it's, it's responding to, um, to, to what we have in front of us. So um, yeah, I kind of kind of see see the parallel there with with that. Yeah, what, what do you think? I had two thoughts. So I think I guess when you're sailing, you're living, you're out in, you're out in the outdoors every day. So you're much more conscious of the environment because I think when you're living in um, a building, you're sort of cut yourself, you know, cut yourself off from it. You don't feel part of it. So I feel very much whenever we're on the boat, much more. I don't know, just part of it is there. And I think, obviously, sailing and, you know, you're just much more, I think, more aware of the ocean and the marine environment and marine life. And, you know, we did some ecology projects involving the water and marine plastics when we were sailing. I think our habits as regards recycling and environmentally... Mm. I think as a result of sailing, we had to be more environmentally conscious. I think we had to change our habits when we were sailing. 
I just think, has it? What do you think? Have we? Well, what were we like what, before? What, what, we like what now? I would say, actually, to what Daddy said about using the nature to travel, that can be varied and changed by like human inputs, such as like a motor on the boat, or like there's there could be many old boats. There's sometimes like oil leaks that could kill wildlife and you could disturb wildlife mm. so like as we saw like it wasn't like too like serious because there's loads of them uh, loads of them out there but flying fish we like they would get disturbed like when you go for the water they think there's a predator they think it's like a shark or a whale so they jump out the water and they usually land on your on the boats and they'll like uh, kill themselves doing that Mm. That's like that's just uh, a minor example of like how the wildlife can be disturbed. Mm. I think you become super aware of it. I mean, some of the places we went to. So when we sailed to the Galapagos Islands, then before you're allowed to enter there, they have someone comes and dives on the hull of the boat to make sure you're not bringing any foreign organisms in, mm. which are going to change the ecosystem, bring in new predators and those sorts of things. And so you see this real sort of focused attention on the environment. So there's this, you know, the pristine place that is is the Galapagos. And uh, it just gives you a different perspective on looking after the environment when, mm. when they take it to that level. And clearly it's a very special place with the, the currents there and, and you know, the, 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 that unique environment. But it's nice. And to, it's history. And it's history, yeah. absolutely. But it's nice to see that it's being preserved and they really, really think about that. Mm. So. And whenever people say the word invasive species, I always think humans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are really an invasive species. We don't have to go everywhere. I mean, you've seen the pictures of Everest now. I assume you saw that picture that went viral. And it's like, oh, yes, yes. And they're queuing up. One thing I read, I've been sharing this, about, I, I read that in the days before steamships, when the boats, like the, when the other Columbus was sailing across the Atlantic, that apparently there were schools of fish so numerous and dense that the boats came to a halt in the water. Because there's just so many fish. Wow. And apparently back then, I mean, I heard about there was the the passenger pigeon in North America. It would take days for one flock to go overhead, like three days of birds going overhead. Wow. And apparently there were walruses in the Thames in the in London. And I used to think of, oh, I'd like to get back to the nature that was around when I was a child. And it's not even remotely close to what used to be. Mm. and what we could have and what I hope one day we in the future have. I mean, some of those species are, a lot of those, I guess something like half of those species are gone. Oh, of the big mammals, I mean, they're mostly gone. Yes. But hopefully we can bring that state of access to nature back. Mm. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Well, that's why it's nice, I guess, to go to some of these, you know, we were, we were very privileged to go to some of these different parts of the world and you see things as they might have been, you know, quite some time ago, like the Galapagos or the um, St. Helena in the middle of the mm. um, the Atlantic, where we had the, um, the the fortune to go swimming with whale sharks there and literally you're sort of half a metre away from these amazing, amazing animals. So with places like the Galapagos, it's places where, like, invasive species have happened, like... People think of humans being them, but the reason for almost all of invasive species is humans because there's very little chance that they'd get to another place just, like, quickly and sufficiently, and it's mainly humans introducing them. And the reason the Galapagos or places like Australia 
I like this is because stuff like this has happened to them. It's like humans have haven't seen like the diversity of like wildlife there, the biodiversity there. So they've done these stuff without realizing their mistake and then too late we're trying to correct it. And then there's other places all around the world where we still do stuff like not really thinking about the wildlife because we think it's just everyday wildlife that is not, not really that important. But we might not realise our, our mistakes for like another 100, 200 years, like as with the Galapagos or Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we keep, people routinely feel like, yeah, well, that's important, but I just want to do this thing this time. And we don't seem to be able to connect what these lessons to our actual behavior when we feel entitled to do something. I mean, I think all the rabbits in Australia was like one guy brought over six rabbits or something like that. And now they have this whole rabbit proof fence. And it's like, and to say nothing of rats and cockroaches and, and the, ah. I, I want to ask you guys, well, here, now that you've done this, you've made this change within the family. Yeah. You could go back to how you were doing before. You could stay here. You could do more. Do you guys have a sense of what's coming next? So, look, so my sense is that by virtue of having more of these conversations, we are significantly more likely to do more of these things. And um, so that's the conversation that I want to encourage. Mm. And, you know, it started with these little micro-commitments, the different things. And um, I think that... You know, we're going to rely on our, our strongest asset here to, you know, bring up uh, different conversations around this mm. and make us more aware of it. So, yeah, definitely. So to actually act on it, though, you need to take into consideration and commit to, like, you might just listen to it, like, think, like, like oh, yeah, sure, I'll get onto that. Or, like, oh, yeah, like, that's not too... In- important like it's only like I'm not doing it but then there's like a whole other world of people just like that so everyone needs to take like the things being said into consideration and then commit to decisions on acting upon that are you going to be our chief climate officer in the house well it's not really like you or I it's like we we need to just do this together. Very true. There you go. At the beginning of when he said that, I was going to say, oh, it sounds like a climate leader in the works. And then I was like, oh, it's already there. He's already leading. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Nicola? So, no, definitely. Keep, keep going. And I think I find the more of us in the family that are involved, the more things continue each day. And you just get something that you get used to doing it and so it becomes second nature. It becomes habitual, right? Yeah. Mm. You don't even think about it. So we'll just keep going. Yeah, I find it. If you don't, a lot of people think these little things are so small, they're not worth doing. But the little things, once you do them, they're so trivial that it becomes a habit. And the next thing that was big in comparison is now not big because it's a smaller step from where you are. Totally, yeah. But the bigger effect, I think, is that when you do it and you find it enjoyable, yes. then the next thing, it's not just that it's smaller in comparison to what it used to look like, but it's more fun. Like if a little thing improves your life a little, a big thing will improve your life a lot. That's what I've come off with. So that when I decided to to avoid flying, I wasn't expecting it. I, I knew it was going to be hard, but since I started avoiding the packaged food, I thought, well, that that was hard, but I like the change that came from it. I bet this one will improve my life a lot more, which has been the case. And so I'm always looking for bigger things. Yeah. 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 No. Totally. Totally. So it affects 
situation. So it's acting upon it, doing stuff like that, but it's not very effective doing it like individually. Like as I said with we, like everyone needs to be doing something to actually make and to be able to see an impact. That's why we have things like this podcast. Yeah. Maybe you'll do the next podcast. I'm doing leadership in the environment, but I hope that there will be all the things about me. There are things that like I work with people who are like me, but if you take anything about me and change it. So I'm like a man. So what if there's leadership in the environment, women, I live in New York. What if there's leadership in the environment, UK or California or South America, or what if there's leader? I'm 47. What if there's leadership in the environment, youth or leadership in the environment, elder, or, you know, there's all these different versions that could be done that would access different groups than mine or than, than the people I access. And I, do I think I'm going to reach 7 billion people? I don't think so. I mean, I, maybe, but I hope more that I can reach people who will reach people who reach people and reach people. So I wonder, so picking up on that, so Columbus, you have like the option to start different school clubs. Is there a school club that's on this or could you start a school club around this? Well, there's not really right now. I'm... You used to be... I don't, I don't really take this into school too much. I do clubs in school for like like my well-being and enjoyment but then at home it's always good to just use little things that will impact the environment and then maybe like other people like well just people that we talk with could like share on information about this they share on to others and then eventually these little things get done throughout quite a bit and then I, a lot more is going to be done and a bigger impact will be seen. I'm, mixed, I'm feeling a, a mix of, of hopefulness but also resolve because he's not saying it's easy. He's not saying, oh, it's done. It's, we got to work, but we're going to enjoy the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. I'd like to wrap up by asking, is there anything I didn't think to ask? And is there anything, any message that any of you or all of you want to leave, give directly to the listeners? Ooh, I don't think it's, for me, I don't think it's anything you didn't ask. I think it's been super cool. Uh, I think the um, the only message that I would start with is, yeah, you, you start with big, ambitious goals. Beware of those. Start with the micro commitments mm. and uh, do little things. And, you know, I always talk about, you know, small victories lead to bigger victories and create a conversation around it. Engage whoever is, um, you know, in your world who's most likely to build energy around this, whether that's someone in your family, whether it's a friend. And, uh, you know, just talk about it, mm. you know, make, make it part of the conversation. Well, I'd say, like, we should probably touch up upon specific things that you can do for the environment. So, like, going over more means that people might choice or might do many, because, like, like about the allotment thing, like, you might live in a big city, like, which is densely populated, but has, like, no space for a, an allotment. So you might need to do something else, like recycle, but then there's other stuff so you could um so when as we've said before like going to shops and doing the um like getting food that comes locally if you can't do the allotment thing and recycling that is something that everybody should do and they should buy like food with less packaging because then they won't have to do as much recycling because they'll have less waste and 
Just less overall. Nicola? I think it's never underestimate your children in getting them involved, no matter how young. Because I think a lot of the stuff we've done, so thinking of the sailing, a lot of um, people we've spoken to have what's been different is that I guess when we were making our plans, we involved the children at a young age. And I think we did that with sailing and we've continued to do that with other things. So having this conversation and I think there's a lot we can learn continuously from our children and uh, to not feel bad that they're teaching us. <laughs> I couldn't help but think when you said, think about involving your children. And I think Columbus was thinking, get the adults involved because I was I, like, welcome aboard at last. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. so I want to give you guys, I want to leave you guys an open invitation as, as things develop, if more things happen, if you want to report back, let me know. And I'd love to have the, the next conversation. So open invitation for you to just let me know. And otherwise, Casper and Nicola Columbus, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Josh. It's been great fun talking yeah, to you. Nice to talk to you. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, what are we waiting for? You heard Columbus. It's not about I, it's about we. It's not about planning forever. It's about action and learning from our experience. It's about delicious vegetables. It's about gardening. I don't know what people are waiting for because this sounds to me like building community, building family connections, not waiting around, not judging each other, supporting each other, getting together. I can't think of an interaction I've had that wants me more to go out and do my garden on my roof, to be more thoughtful about where I get things, what types of things that I get and so forth. This to me is what this podcast is about. It's about sharing joy. It's about sharing the bounty of nature, enjoying it together, coming together. I could go on, but I think I'm only detracting from the message that we got from the Craven family. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.